It's the week before Christmas. The Chiefs play on Christmas. For the Chiefs, today's a Wednesday. For us, it's Thursday. Christmas is on Monday, which is when the Chiefs play football. And to varying extents, I think all three of us have just about lost it. So time to do a podcast! You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Only Weird Games, formerly known as Time's Ours. This, sorry, let me amend that. All four of us have about lost it. <laughs> While we're at it, let me know how many breaks we have today and if that counts as one. Welcome in officially to Only Weird Games. Joshua Briscoe, Seth Kaiser, and Nate Taylor with you. Producer extraordinaire Tucker D. Franklin and the D stands for doesn't know which button to hit to start the show sometimes. I'm really sorry that you often end up being a character in this show after uh, Flub, Tucker. Um, you've kind of, I don't want you to be getting the Canarius Tony treatment. You know where to be aligned. You do not drop the ball very often. But man, with the 15 minutes we had pre-show and the uh, the fact that we're in the midst right now of going from Bailey to Aiden with Easton just a couple of games around the corner, uh, I feel like this is the right energy to bring as the Chiefs try to close out a season that's been frustrating and weird with four games against four backup quarterbacks. And, my friends, did you listen to the most important part of New Heights this week? You know, uh, there's there's been a lot of things going on in my life, Josh. You know, I get the snippets. I get, I get, the, I get the blurbs, the updates. Um, you know, buddy... I haven't. What what was the most fascinating part of New Heights? A podcast talking about another podcast. You know what? Let me go grab the audio real quick while you guys let me know how you're doing. Nate, we haven't even talked to you since the game because you were stuck in an airport or on an actual plane somewhere. Yeah. Um, it'll be way uh, better if you actually hear it in Travis Kelsey's words. He was going around making every bed in the hotel. I thought we already talked about this. Let's do that, and then I'll bring you the most important piece of, of news. We did discuss this on, on Monday without you, Nate. Andy Reid, uh-huh. who got to take the charter flight back home from yes. Foxborough. Of course, yeah. Because he's the head coach of the football team we're here talking about. Mm-hmm. Monday's Zoom press conference. You're Zooming in from your hotel room in New England. Yes. And, and you ask your important journalistic questions. And you 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 extend those queries to Andy Reid, and then Nate, from your perspective, what happened there? It's it's always interesting when you do your job correctly, and news is then revealed or information that hadn't been previously known. Uh, because I just wanted to ask. A clarifying question about Isaiah Pacheco and whether the Chiefs starting running back was going to be available anytime soon because that was the impression I got and I wanted to just confirm that uh, to which no one remembers. No one remembers (laughs) the question. No one remembers the answer. All anybody wanted to talk about for two days in my life was whether or not I make my bed 
in my hotel um to which people were saying well we couldn't see it because it was on zoom and they only show andy's obviously there's an audio version of this you know if you rewatched on youtube god bless you but you're not gonna see me you're just gonna hear my voice ask the questions as best i can um realizing in my own world that like i i i'm waiting to check out coach because you haven't hit the <laughs> you haven't hit the join zoom button in the office i want to yeah you know on. if you would have started at noon you could have had that thing made by 12 30 central yeah time. right yeah it, it you know the way it works coach is you tell us a time i show up then we have a interaction with one another and then we get to go home okay and when i say we i mean me um he was late i guess that's fine nobody cares about that but um yeah he he asked me did my mother not tell me how to did she not teach me how to make my bed to which i said uh he's never had me more knee buckles curveball backdoor ever in my life in a presser <laughs> coach can we just keep it moving because <laughs> you can clearly tell on your laptop that from my laptop i'm in a hotel room i am not in my normal house why would i show up on a zoom call the Monday after a game from my bedroom no coach <laughs> would you like me to do it from the lobby um anyway coach is I said check Pacheco gonna play on Christmas? That's all I wanted to ask about. Yes? Okay. Can we keep it moving? No, Your Honor. Um I I just the hotel staff at the Quincy Marriott Hotel in Massachusetts is a wonderful staff and they can handle all the all the things I need to be done, which is giving the room to the next paying customer. Um you know, it's funny that everybody says, well, did you actually, did you make your bed or do you make your bed? Of course, now I've released a statement, you know, <laughs> something I thought I didn't have to ever say in my esteemed journalistic career. I've released a statement, not about, you know, something like Carissa Thompson level, inexplicable, weird work ethics problem um you know I, I it's not a correction i just wanted to release a statement to say that um i do know how to make my bed and often i make our bed uh when i'm at home like today for my wife holly um so hang on you know what nope no you should you should uh you nope. know i'm nope. referring to the statement seth but you could also <laughs> ask a question if you i'm like. gonna i'm gonna tap the sign nope that's fair now we 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 discussed hotel room etiquette while you were gone. And yes, read, yes. Which I they which, have to which, wash. They gotta wash the sheets, uh -huh. man. So yes. why would you why would you trap the filth of you? Apparently, no sense. Now to be fair, I'm not I'm not a filthy gentleman. You yeah, know, filth I, filth felt aggressive there. Yes, Maybe so I was projecting did. a little bit. Uh, hey, look, I wish Nate would make up <laughs> answers too. No, you don't, Latrell. You don't want that. No one wants that about this football team. Because uh, you might believe them, and that would be problematic for yeah, everybody. They, there are very few things you could say about the football team that people would, like, not believe at this point. Like, oh, man, Kadarius Tony, you know, had surgery replacing his hands with raccoon hands in the hope that, you know, he'd be able to 
that are crypt things. Like people might believe it. Okay. By the way, I feel like I should warn people who are listening today. I have about eight percent less filter than I normally do. Okay. So I'm just gonna go ahead and apologize in advance. Yeah, so you know, if it were up to me, okay, this is um, you know, uh full warning, kids. If I were Carissa Thompson, I would have told you today that the Chiefs went to Kadarius Tony and said, Look, all right, I'm gonna open the book. <laughs> all right, we need a we need an answer. All right, we got to put something down. How's your hip feel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting there like tapping a hammer in their hand. Is it any cool? <laughs> yeah, coach just wants to sit you, but we got to we got to sit you down. So, um, what hurts? It, oh, what? <laughs> would a hip work? Hip could work, right? All right, Kadarius, you're not going to go to the locker room today. No one's going to see you from the outside world. You don't even exist this week, all right? So um, what I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, is Kadarius Tony did not practice today um, with a hip injury, of which we didn't see because, of course, Travis Kelsey was was caressing him off the field to try to uh, be a good teammate. So, you know, if, if you want this, Latrell, you can have it, but you shouldn't want this. You should want honest, integrity journalism. Um, so what I'm trying to tell you is, I released a statement about my own betting habits. Um, and again, I, I didn't think that this would need to be. Um, you didn't think that this would be, it needed to be said territory. No, but you know, uh, coach is the NFL's version of, of a grandpa. And uh, he, he clearly got me on the, on the dad grandpa joke of don't you know how to make your bet to which I said, coach, can we just talk about the, I guess this is good because you guys won. Whoopee! But also, like, see, I, 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 I tend to respond. Home, <laughs> I. Nate, it is a fact. I, you know what? You're a better man than I am. I tend to respond. Yeah, we know. Appropriately, thank you, Josh. I'm and gonna, that I'm gonna refer I you. Oh wait, wait, we've got a puppy. I'm gonna refer you to uh, to Maple here. She can, she can tell. Maple. She can. She can read the statement word for word. Um, dude, would you? Hello, hi. Oh, sweet little puppy. Renee was so mad when I told her I didn't know the name of the dog yet, and uh, I said we hadn't done a podcast. It makes sense. Maple this, is great. Yeah, this is Miss Maple. Uh, she is uh, a a lovely puppy who has made my son very happy. And uh, oh, that's I, I, so awesome. As someone who never grew up with dogs, I can't imagine my life without her now this is amazing uh, i used to make fun of dog people now i'm one of them this is yes. how it works kids you, and she's, uh, and she's yes yes i know it's, it's just the only bad thing nate as i hate to i hate to tell you this but i think you actually got like a build-a-bear that a witch cursed and like brought to life or something or like it might be animatronic i don't know but that's a that's a stuffed animal with bones and a wagging tail i don't know how to break that yeah uh -huh. That's a very good dog right there. Yeah, um, Latrell just provided the perfect comment that I think might help us segue. Because you know me, I've been, instead of paying attention, like I was supposed to, I'm just reading the comments. Yeah, Luttrell I've got a thing too. Latrell said it would be tough not to tell Andy we are working on it. We're working on it, Coach. <laughs> that would have been, yeah, uh, that been so great. You know, you know, Coach, we're <laughs> I, I'm improving every week. Um, still working on it. Got some things to iron out. The, 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 but I do think things are getting better. I think this bet is getting better. 
Um, but uh, you we're, know, we're just no a, evidence. We're, we're just a pillow off, Coach. We're just we're a pillow gonna, off. That's what it is. We're just off a fold. Um, paying off my uh, earlier question, here's the most important thing that any member of the Chiefs will say into a microphone all week. Here's uh, here's uh, Jason Kelsey talking about Willie Gay's interception, and then Travis Kelsey uh, experiencing a revelation. I'm back on Willie Gay intercepted Bailey Zappi. Zappi's first. That's his first name is Bailey. Sorry, what? Uh, I'm sorry, what? He didn't notice I, me his name? I honest to God think Travis Kelsey learned that Bailey Zappi's first name was Bailey the Tuesday or whenever they recorded this episode. Yeah, this would be uh, Tuesday, this would be late Tuesday afternoon for a Wednesday uh posting. Yes. If you if you wanted a good reason to understand why the NFL's top one hundred, while a really interesting idea, <laughs> these guys they, they study the people on film and that kind of thing, and some of them go above and beyond. It wouldn't shock me if Mahomes studies the tape of people that they're not playing. That wouldn't shock me. Probably not during the season, though. There's only a finite amount of information you can obtain. And that's like things like that. It's like, ah, dude's name is Bailey. Bailey. Like, man, ho- hopefully they didn't run into each other after the game where like, you know, <laughs> Zappy's like, Travis Kelsey. And Travis is like, hey, man. <laughs> big dog. Yeah, big dog. Oh, keep it up, my guy. That was electric. You know, whatever. Like, <laughs> All right now. Like, all right. All right now. All right. All right. Now. All right Again, now. remember that like one of the first that... big viral bits of New Heights was, was Travis Kelsey not knowing the name of almost any NFL head coaches, right. including Josh McDaniels, who was on his second AFC West team. <laughs> right. Yeah. One of, one, of, one of Travis's best uh, best traits is you really feel like um, he's saying all right now to you for the first time, but he <laughs> says it to everyone. And it's their yeah. first time. No, it is. It's, it a is great, it's a great way to disarm any conversation and just slide. Along. <laughs> yeah, it is. I that's I I've got several walkaway jokes that I utilize in a rotation. Which, by the way, sixteen years into a marriage, my wife is so sick of them mm. that I mean, she I like it. Like, if she hears me make the the joke. Like where, you know, someone compliments one of our kids by saying they're cute or adorable or whatever. And she hears me do the, oh, thank you. But we've also got a kid here with us. And if she hears me make that joke, I can see her like tense up and be ready to physically assault me. And that I would be willing to bet anyone that that like people that are close to Travis Kelsey are like, dude, I need you to not say all right or now for the next 24 hours. All right now. Gonna... All right now. All right now. All right. Now. Fun fact about Kelsey, just one little thing. Like it was so interesting hearing him, and I know we're two games back now. Describe his decision to lateral the ball to Tony, not that to throw the ball across the field when he was describing everything he was seeing at that time. Yeah. And understood. He's like, well, they were playing single high and had already beaten the angle of the the corner who was in coverage. And the single high safety came down, and I knew he was coming at the wrong angle. There was only one, and I was like, so he's a savant. Yes. Who does not know the names of the opposing players? That's right. He knows That's the right. tight ends. I bet. Who, I bet he knows all the tight ends on that roster. Who realizes like, yo, that bridge you just wrote shed a tear, Taylor. Like, I mean, you done, you done, you done, you've spoken about life in a way I had not considered earlier. And then they put music on top of it. <laughs> wow. Oh. Today, Chris Jones opened his presser. By him revealing that George Karloftis got a 32 on his ACT 
And Chris Jones said he has a PhD in football. Although Chris Jones's score wasn't terrible. Twenty five. Yeah, twenty five. No, it's 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 uh it's not thirty six, right? Right. Um, also, you know, you get a 25 on your ACT, every SEC coach is going to look up and go, oh, okay, okay, come down. Oh, hey, hey, sorry, uh, state prosecutor Seth wanted to make a point. No. Oh, oh, okay. I'm not talking about my ACT scores. Actually, there's a half. You know what, Seth? You, you're whole, Seth, sure. Seth is holding up a three and a zero, which I guess is him saying that he blew a three-o lead in life. <laughs> Tucker, no, you. That's the pot. Tucker, no, you didn't. The uh, is Tucker saying in the private chat. Okay, I don't believe yeah. you, Tucker. Look, he says I, it's real. No, it's real. Look, kids. you know what? Standardized testing do not does not show intelligence. And let clearly, me tell you, yeah, you got a thirty. Clearly, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's not like I like to talk about it that much. Thirty, so you know <laughs> but but you know one way or another 30 i just uh it it always seems to come up i i personally hate talking about it M- much higher than both my sisters but you know whatever who cares well that's not like sibling score comparing i feel like is is totally fair game so yeah. it's not like it's a competition certainly not a close one so <laughs> it's like frank clark i would call it a rivalry rivalry is the other thing that he wins sometimes he, <laughs> he told us a very formative detail about George Karloftis. And I was like, does he want us to know this? I mean, he got into he got into Purdue, a Big Ten school. Great. Yeah. But also, like... The 32 is a really good score. What else you want to tell us, Chris, is what I was thinking in my head, but I, I just I just let it play <laughs> yeah. out. What else you want to tell us about Derek Naughty, Chris? You know, what else do you want to... Do you want to say anything about Charles Lemini? What, what he got in the team meeting or the, the, the positional group meeting. So, it was... um. It's a very Looney Tune type of week. Yeah, it's a good news. Everybody, I, I think everybody's been in a good mood because it's Christmas. And Drew Tranquil today said, "I'm so glad I'm not on the Raiders. I don't want to travel on Christmas Eve." <laughs> it's just like Drew, Drew, you can't say that out loud, man. I, I'm I'm so looking forward to Christmas playing at home, guys. That's I was talking to Tysher and. <laughs> Like that was the thing. I was like, well, you're, you know, you're, I guess you guys are going to be at the stadium on Christmas and New Year's Eve. But you know what? You're not going to be in a hotel room getting bullied by Andy Reid on a Zoom <laughs> on Christmas and New Year's Eve. So it it could definitely be worse. Um, look, since since we're here, since the three of us are here, and this happens to be getting broadcast while we're doing it, I guess we could talk about the Chiefs, like in the injury run that, that everything popped up with today. You mentioned Isaiah Pacheco, Nate. Sounds like he's working toward a full workload despite having yeah. surgery recently. Andy Reid said, I think I talked about this on Monday, but Andy Reid said he he was actually cleared to play against the Patriots. They're just being cautious there. Um, and then you end up that's having... so disrespectful. Okay. Just on That's hilarious. Note. That's a great point, Seth. Um, and then McCole Hardman's, uh, his return window is open. He's not off IR yet, but his, his window is open now. He and Donovan Smith were both limited in practice today, but... Nick Bolton and Cam Jones both out with out today with an illness, um, and then Jarek McKinnon with a groin, right or hip? Was he he was groin, right? And then he's, Tony, he's got a unquote, groin. He's got a groin. One of the things, my one of the things I love coaches say, he's got an ankle. <laughs> like what? Uh, he's got a pancreas. He's got a pancreas. Um, he won't be with us today. Uh, you know, but yes, it, it, it is a groin. It's, you know, that's why I said it. I know. So. Um, listen, I mean, you can do a lot of things with a less than 100% function of pancreas. 
Yes, you can. Yes, you sometimes, can. Sometimes you gotta. Sometimes you gotta wait twenty minutes before you crack open the leftover Halloween candy. Mm. Um, what uh, What is the feel right now, Nate, in terms of uh, McCall Hardman being on the precipice of potentially returning? Uh, obviously, uh, Sky Moore out for the year. Although it sounded like today that that Andy Reid was indicating he could be back for a playoff run. I wouldn't bet on it. I mean, he could. You know, could's doing a lot in that sentence. A lot of work. Um. I don't know if we'll see it, you know, like uh, one scenario that that Harold Coots from Fox 4 presented to me today, uh, and, and I love Harold. We were in New England together just eating the most immaculate pregame meal that oh, pictures are good. Reporters are ever given that are not covering the game at Arrowhead. Um, you know, can we put that in the NFL Players Association report card? You know, Ooh, we got to get an NFL Reporters Association going for you. Media, media, uh, media entrees cannot be served chicken fingers more than twice a year. It, it would, it would be nice. Um, <laughs> my 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 body would enjoy that. Um, <laughs> so again, not a sentence I thought I'd say today. The best- I feel like that could be the name of our podcast. Really, honestly. <laughs> not something I thought I'd say today. Um. Uh, well, yeah, so I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> what was the question? I, I don't even know. I don't know. It's not about injuries and all the press conferences you were there attending. Yeah, so I don't Harold, know. Who cares? Harold today gave the gave the uh, gave me gave me uh, you know his best estimation of the following four weeks. And Harold said, "Hey, Nate, can I interest you in?" Chiefs going to South Beach for Dolphins divisional round playoff game, to which I said, hell yeah, do it. Okay, now I know our fans are saying, well, Nate, don't you want to hear Tyreek Hill get booed anytime he catches the ball? I don't know, guys. He might be running by you. Um, but I do want the rematch of those two teams, probably more than I even want the Chiefs to play Baltimore um, in the postseason just for, like, viewing purposes and, like, storylines and obviously the the intrigue of it all. Um, do we think Sky Moore is on the field? That was the discussion in the room. Is Sky Moore on the field in the divisional round, whether the Chiefs are at home hosting Miami or out there on the road hosting Miami? And I don't think anybody in the in the media room gave a uh, an optimistic you know projection of, of Sky Moore because if that were to happen, this is about a month from now, right? The divisional round would be almost a month. Um, a little bit more maybe from where we are today, just based on the weeks. Um, so I mean, cool for Andy Reid to say he could be back. I mean, yeah, he could if we made the Super Bowl. Um, but I don't, I don't know if we can hold much. We can't really hold on to that. If uh, we made the Super Bowl and then decided to have a receiver whose snaps have been declining the entire time he's been sort of healthy, although Andy Reid did say he's been fighting through the knee stuff for a while now, so whatever. But I mean, yeah, it it would be. Shocking. I think I think Sky Moore needs a reset. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of jokes I could make right now, but, you know, has anyone tried, you know, unplugging him and plugging him back in? But it's been a really rough second season for him. And he's a young guy. Yeah, he's got to take that cartridge and... Oh, man, too much spit. All right, try it now, try it now. Yeah. And, like, that's the only way sometimes you can play Tech Mobile again. It's like, 
Then why? But I want to play Super Mario Brothers 3. I got to see if the flute will help me skip all the levels because that giant level is so hard. Anyway, Seth knows games. <laughs> I did. Well, I, I know games that came out in the early 90s. Yeah. yeah. Still game. Classic. Yes. Classic. Um, Classic. I, I actually have been getting Jazz to play a little bit of the uh, uh, a little bit of Halo with me and the kids. What? Really? Where, yeah, because you know, so She's like people's hands off. Wow. Uh, it, we we're usually sticking with like you know the the remastered combat evolved and like kind of the ones that I know because otherwise I'm way too washed in video games and my sons just brutalize me like in like three and beyond. It's bad. But on Combat Evolved, I can still hold my own. I'm still a three-shot master with the pistol. There are very few things funnier than telling Jazz, no, this time, I'm not going to do it this time. I'm not going to then sneak up behind her. Wah! In the back of the head, she drops. It's so funny every single time. Man, I'm That does go. sound like a good bit. Like, just like, constantly losing the football. You're trying to, like, bring her along. Uh, yeah. Has she lost patience with that bit yet? You'd think she would. Let's take a break. <laughs> What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? This is Tucker Franklin from KC Sports Network. Thank you for listening to today's show. Make sure to follow us and subscribe for more Chiefs content wherever you get your podcast. If you want to support us further, you can shop the latest collection of KC Sports Network merch in partnership with Sandlot Goods. You can find hats, shirts, hoodies, and more at sandlotgoods.com. You can click the link in the description for more information. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperice.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. When when this when this show gets the documentary treatment it so <laughs> desperately deserves, I want I want to be the person who's got the solo interview shot, kind of like what they do with everybody in the in the David Beckham documentary, and they just say, you know, he was he was great, he was he was really great at bits, he was really great at repeating the bits, 
constantly in new creative ways. The, he he kicked the soccer ball in a way that was different from every human being before and after who came in England. And we were so we were so uh, majesticized by how he could kick the football, well, uh, especially from free kicks and, uh, and 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 from corners. And even though even though even though Seth knew the clock, even though Seth understood everything that was that was that the, the, the show was designed for, the the brilliance of Josh would always would always bring him back to where he needed to be, which was part of a bit. Part of a bit that made part of a bit that oh, made the audience mesmerized. I think the probably the most impressive thing of this is and this is this is required I don't think you could have done this to me early on in our almost entirely sports in the beginning of Times Ours days. Yeah. Because you really have kind of learned how to pull threads. Like, oh, I, I bet I can get Seth excited talking about that. And in his big, dumb, oafish blindness, as he's just lumbering forward, I get to joke more about this bit with my wife and just. Don't see it coming. Like I would have walked in front of a snowplow <laughs> while I'm going 40 miles an hour to do that. Oh, you want me to make that joke? Yeah, white. Gosh. Well, you know what? You don't have to walk in front of a snowplow to enjoy. You don't have to walk in front of a snowplow to enjoy KCTV Five uh, KC Sports tonight. That's on Channel Five right Whoa. here in Kansas City. Uh, weeknights at 6:30 and Saturday and Sunday at uh, 10.35, featuring KCSN's absolute best, frequently uh, Tucker D. Franklin, and um, also guys like Kent, but more importantly, Tucker and uh, other members of the KCSN crew. That's KCTV5 Sports Tonight uh, on, of course, KCTV5, right here on Channel 5 in Kansas City. So check that out, enjoy that, and uh, we can we can talk about we can talk about football again. It's just that, Seth, you are enjoying the bit that I enjoy so much, and um, it felt like it was time. So uh, let's let's see if we. Uh, Nate, I actually I want to hop back to New England for one second, and then okay. we can figure out where we actually go from here because sure. I do think it's interesting. Sky Moore two IR and Andy Reid says they want to get more work for Richie James and Justin Ross is back and McCall Hardman's working his way back and Kadarius Tony has a you know phantom hip injury and all of that. I didn't and, say that. I didn't no, no, say, you didn't that. say that. You didn't say I that. Didn't I'm say saying that. that. I said that there's an impression of that. But I didn't say that. Kadarius Tony's impression. hip is very serious. His My impression is that. It's so serious, he may not even play on Sunday for it's reasons so, that are squarely about his hip and not other parts of his body. Why is my mic weird? Anyway, Nate, I, I, well, I'll figure out what's going on with my microphone. Tucker, let me know if Seth's just hearing things or if those are his optimized earbuds getting in the way. Um, and and uh, I, I am genuinely interested, Nate, in what the vibe was in the locker room after that game because we've had high highs and low lows. In this case, it was Chiefs go to New England, handle their business, get back to Kansas City with a win again, and don't lose three in a row against a subpar team. How, how did that energy sort of, you don't have to go, you know, into the, the hour-long uh, deep cut or whatever, but what, what was the energy there like? And then, hey, obviously, to get an extra day off because it's going to be a Monday night yeah. or Monday day game on Christmas. Um, so how is that how is that pivoted into what you've seen this week? So, um, you know... New England Stadium is set up a little bit differently. So, um, the it's a long walk from the field to the locker room, and so you understand that guys are like, you know, happy to have played a game. The mood in the locker room was was pretty much like a, all right, cool, that's one. 
That's one. We need to get four. Okay. And we can't get four without one. So I think a lot of guys were proud for Clyde Edwards O'Leary. He kind of was the, he kind of was, he kind of held the day um, because everybody knew Pacheco wasn't playing last week and uh, Clyde got the start obviously against the Buffalo Bills, but the game script really never got him going in particular in the second half. Uh, so a lot of guys on offense were, were very happy for Clyde. Um, you know, as I wrote in the athletic and it's been reported, I think I was the person who asked Jared McKinnon the question of, Hey, how do you, as a former quarterback, how do you handle that, that very unique play, um, to get the touchdown for Rasheed Rice? But then, you know, Jerry tells me, well, I had an agreement with, with Rasheed. And I say, what do you mean you had an agreement? And that's when he tells us that like he wanted to pop past the ball to Rasheed Rice so that he could break the franchise record. So a lot of these guys are aware of what's going on. Um, it seemed like the game was a setting for the Chiefs to kind of get some fun back into their lives. Like football is supposed to be fun, especially if you're the better team. And so Willie Gay tells us he likes tackling people, doesn't like to be tackled. Uh, hmm. Clyde Edwards Alaire wants to show the receivers how to high point a football. And his celebration literally was, I told you guys I could do that. Um, and, you know, with the way Jerick McKinnon uh, really gave, because the play is really designed for him to sort of read it out, is my understanding. Like, he can, there is some bits of an RPO quality to it. So, again, they may use some similar versions of the play moving forward. Um, but it's supposed to be a handoff. Or if there's a gaping hole in the middle of the field, then obviously Jerick can just keep it himself. So, um, there were teammates helping one another. I think a lot of guys are happy to see Drew Tranquil come back and play very well um, after a concussion because that's always sort of a serious. How is this player going to return to the fold? So I think the I think the atmosphere or the or the mood I should say the vibes were were cool. That was cool, you know. Um, you know, and you know let let's now build upon it. Um, but it was funny to hear Chris Jones after the game say. It was all right. It was okay. You know, we could have been better, you know, but there's no panic. And, uh, you know, we got the guys to do, you know, they're still telling themselves. And I kind of wrote about it. They're, you know, they're an imperfect team. And they have to really start recognizing how imperfect they are compared to last year. And this is just another, you know, I wrote it's another experience for them to realize that they're they're going to have faults. Those faults are never going to improve fully the way you, us, or the team itself sort of believes it can. Um, but at the same time, they're still telling themselves that uh, they're the team to beat in the AFC. Seth, I don't know if you heard a name that Nate mentioned there, but it seems like it's just been a little while since uh, you've talked about Chris Jones. And frankly, Seth, it's been a little while since I've seen Chris Jones impact a football game. I mean, is that guy even on the field anymore? Is he just out there cashing checks, waiting to hit free agency, letting Derek Nottie do all the work? I mean, please, all the pressures, hurries, get me a sack. How about that? I can't. Sorry. Sorry, Seth. They're not called Big Macs for pressures. So tell me, tell me why Chris Jones is even worth playing on the field anymore. And he's arguing with his coaches now. Don't don't forget that part. <laughs> All he does is fight with Joe Cole on the sideline. 
if I take as much as I do from you, Seth, and the bits yeah. we do, I try to give you some back in terms of a of the, your least favorite person to argue with. So I'm trying to. This is how I mend the fences in our, <laughs> so in our relationship. Is, I mean, honestly, just just play Tershawn Wharton there and cut Chris Jones now and get the cap space and then trade for DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> I'm slowly turning into Jimmy Stewart. Like, Mary! Yeah, no, that'll try to around. You'll want Hopkins in December, Mary? I'll throw a lasso around it there. Uh, you want the Big Mac? I'll throw a lasso around it. Uh, I'll pull it down. I don't know why. Now I'm turning into like a night. I'll pull it down, see? I'll pull it down, see? I'll, you want to handle that quarterback? I have it handled for you, see? Um, where's my so old door? I, I, I wrote about Chris Jones, which <laughs> I wrote about Chris Jones, which is why Josh is setting me up like this, dear listener. Um, basically, I, I, I feel like it started to happen a little more often as the season has gone on. I think the AFC championship and kind of the way last year went down bought Chris Jones a lot of goodwill, which frankly is goodwill he should have had already. I have never in my entire time doing this job, I have been writing about the Chiefs, like, you know, as a, whether it started as the contributor thing at SB Nation, I think that started in like 2011, 2010, give or take. And I have never seen a genuinely elite player get as much crap as Chris Jones. And that doesn't mean he's perfect. But usually, it's players where you got to be like, well, you know, they're good, but they're not like, they're not like that good. You know, fan base needs to settle down a little bit. Usually someone's like good. But like, with Jones, it's just this constant thing been over the years. And I thought this year we were kind of done with it. But then, of course, you have a, a contract dispute. And let me just assure you, dear listener, if your view of Jones as a player is affected by a contract dispute, you should probably ask yourself if that's um, a logical way to gauge someone as a player. And when you consider that, please know that it's not. Like, that's that those two things are unconnected. So I, I, I've had a lot of people, especially the last few weeks, the game day, I, I feel like it's inevitable. You'll see people... Well, I can't help but notice a distinct lack of Chris Jones sightings. Like he's Sasquatch or something. <laughs> That's like he's going to burst out of the ocean like a kaiju. Just, oh, oh. And it's like, that is not like, that's not how this works. And so I thought it would be fun to to do a thing where I just looked at every snap by Chris Jones in one game, a quiet game against the Patriots. Because that was one where I said, well, I haven't seen yeah, and it was, you know, when the Patriots scored, like, their one genuine touchdown drive. Well, I didn't see Chris Jones. It's like, yeah, you're right. The other team scored a touchdown. God, I just can't even believe it. Did you know that in the entirety of Reggie White's career, no one scored on their team ever? <laughs> ever. So I, like, that's how you get a nickname, like the Minister of Defense, because literally no one ever scored a touchdown. It was incredible. So anyway, uh, Joe Montana just threw another deep completion to Jerry Rice. Yeah, I know. And it turns out Reggie Re Reggie White couldn't stop that. So all I did was I, I wanted to just kind of talk to people about, and I haven't really talked about this as much as maybe I could have the last couple of years since Joe Cullen arrived. Him and Spags, you can see a difference in how the pass rush is set up, and, and they've talked about this a little bit. That last year was the first year they really made Jones the centerpiece of their pass rush plan. And I've never really written about it in depth, so it was kind of fun to write about with this game. So first things first, quiet game against the Patriots. 
I just threw up his uh, his pass rush wins and effective double teams, which an effective double team is when they slide protection your way and you actually occupy two blockers. Not just it happens that way, because sometimes you're going to get Tershawn Wharton double teamed because of a sliding protection. But you got to actually keep them occupied in a way that frees up other guys legitimately. So he had eight pass rush wins, which is a lot in a game. He also had nine effective double teams, which basically what those two numbers combined tell you is basically anytime Chris Jones wasn't being double teamed, he won his rep as a pass rusher. Not every time, probably about 70% of the time, give or take. But what I really went into, and you can check this out from the check this out in the Chief of the North newsletter. I've actually, I think this is something that might actually help people. I wrote about the way that he wins so quickly one-on-one, it impacts games, even if he doesn't even collect a pressure on that and so there's multiple I showed two or three snaps where the ball was snapped and Chris Jones was in Bailey Zappi's face or about to be and the ball came out three-step throw three-step throw three-step throw here's the thing there are only so many three-step throw play calls in the NFL and by forcing teams to do that even if you don't collect a pressure a hit or a sack you have narrowed their playbook options and Chris Jones does that but the cooler thing for me was really watching some of the blitz packages that Spags is setting up. If you'll notice, one thing he does a ton of this year that's been a lot of fun to watch is he'll have Jones uh, either line up in the A-gap or be set up to attack that A-gap and cross the face of the guard. And they, he knows, Spags knows, that center is going to slide his way and that guard is going to go with him. And now suddenly you're going to create a red sea of, of guys of space for blitzers to come through. And so what he does is he'll have like Mike Dana line up way outside to where the tackle has to basically chase him down and then send a blitzer right through that gigantic tunnel of, of, of a gap that anyone can sprint through. Or he'll have like uh, Leo Chanel or something crash inside to where the right tackle goes to chase him. And then Drew Tranquil comes screaming through there and he collects a sack. And no one recognizes that is all based around the fact that before the snap, Spags and Cullen knew that the other team would slide protection to Jones and they built an entire blitz around it. And those are the things that you don't see that I really, if you check out the article, I think you could see it, but that was so cool to watch that against the Patriots. Multiple blitzes where they're, they have the ability with Chris Jones to know how they have to call their protections. It's like, okay, we really want them to slide left. So we're going to line up Chris Jones outside the left guard shoulder because they got to slide that way now. And like you, it forces teams to adjust to you. And it's so cool to watch, even in a really quiet game. And honestly, his game should have been a little bit louder, as it were, because there were a couple of times, actually twice in one drive, where he got held as blatantly as you'll ever see. What's by two guys? Like, and I don't know if the ref swallowed the whistle because even though he's being held by Bolton, he was just like, I mean, he was just powering through. And like, it was easy. So there's a picture of it in the article where he's just these, these two gigantic humans are desperately trying to hold him back. And he is just towards him. Like, it's like the end of Happy Gilmore. I will get you, shooter. And he's just looking at the quarterback. And it just reminded me of the whole, um, um, when Geno Smith, screamed oh my god yeah like i have because bailey zappy let me tell you he took off 
that dude forgot his own name in that moment. <laughs> and just, and you could see, because that would be so scary that these huge dudes that follow you around are like, hey, we got you, man. We're your, we're your guys. Because that's, that's how offensive linemen are. And you watch these two guys just, someone's just walking right through them and he's staring at you. That was one of my favorite pictures of Jones. But the, the, the biggest thing there is the impact he's having. We shouldn't ignore it just because I'm not sure if he'll be a chief next year. Or his contract was set up to where he should only be chasing sacks, and yet he's actually agreed to do the opposite? Huge, huge, huge point. Oh, my goodness, Nate, that is such a great point. Because these plays, these are not designed. These are not not his plays. These are not not for Chris Jones to win in fit to the quarterback now every now and then he still does which is always so funny like every now and then so when you've got your basic stunt you you basically have the defensive tackle goes up the field and then the defensive end loops around right well sometimes chris jones is the 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 guy who attacks up the field but he's so good at it he like bursts through and he's like i I guess i'll tackle the quarterback now (laughs) um and it was just it was it's always so funny to watch and him and Amena, who are getting pretty good at that, Karloftis is good at it because Karloftis is that guy. I seriously, I don't know what he does for conditioning, but it is, it is exhausting watching him play. But it's such a cool thing. That's such a great point, Nate. That his contract is designed. He's got millions of dollars at stake with sack numbers, literal millions. And I know you can say, "Oh, well, he makes a lot of millions." What if fifteen percent of your salary was tied to a certain thing? That's a lot of money. And he's still executing defense, and it's so cool watching how they've built this pass rush, including some of their blitz packages around them. And that's why he is, despite Trent McDuffie becoming an elite corner, uh, despite Legarius Sneed becoming, I would argue, an elite corner, how important the safeties are, the linebacker group. Chris Jones is the stun at the center of that universe because um, that's how universes work. They have a sun at the middle of them. Usually, not so much with the astronomy. Well, you know, yeah. I I am a Baptist, so I um yeah. with the- <laughs> our two thousand year old son at the center of everything. You mean six thousand? How dare you? And you can't prove the world's not flat. Anyway, so so it's just a cool thing. People should read it. And Nate, that is such a good point about the, how he's playing this. Yeah the the other point I would make is um for offensive linemen and for offensive line coaches of my experiences is that you don't have a lot of practice reps of four man pass protections Mm -hmm. there, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of teaching points and everybody loves it. Um, including me, um, when you have duo blocks, when it's just, you know, Josh, get your hands up. Like it's just me and Josh and we're, we are moving the tackle in run blocking. We are doing that. Like, Hut, we got to move you here, dog. We just got to move you here. It's yep. me and this guy. We just got to move you. There's not that many times where a player forces the offensive line, especially the interior offensive line, to do that, but understand they have to go backwards. They cannot go forward. So it's also a technique thing that isn't necessarily um, as taught or as you know the craft is not normally honed in for you to do that and so yes. it's, a, it's a unique challenge because 
Um, the reason why he wins so many double teams, and this was last year when he was when he received the most double teams in the entire league, he was still winning a majority of them because it was you could almost see. Well, do I take his like what part of my body am I trying to lean on? His he yes, but he splits us. He splits us yep. so fast, and he's got he's. he's and he's so he's rushing half a man from both sides. Yes. And you would think half a man plus half a man would be able to take a full man. But he is a whole man. And they just can't do it. It's, he's so strong through contact. So, the again, the and I said this last year, the only team that did it I thought effective, which is surprising because this is further to Seth's point, the Cincinnati Bengals in the first matchup last year basically said, we going to hold you. We're going to tell yep. the refs all game. We holding 95. Okay, you can call us once. You can call us twice. You call us three times. We told you ahead of the game. Yeah. <laughs> We're holding him, okay? And so you would always see one guy sort of pushing at him and another guy just, let me get as much of this jersey and hold on for dear life because this is how we protect Joe Burrow. And then yep. we set up one-on-one matchups for everybody else. But what made Joe Burrow so good is he gets the ball up on time, He's got an elite pass. Per, he's got an elite passing ability to operate in space in the pocket. And then, of course, he has Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon. And at the time, Hayden Hurst, um, who also just read didn't know his name. So look, you know, <laughs> it happens. Um, but this time, it's it's fascinating because you're asking offensive linemen to do something that they don't normally do and that they're not necessarily good at unless they hold. And of course, the Patriots, the best time they actually did it was when they held Chris Jones. But also, it, 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 Bailey Zappi does not have the pocket awareness, arm strength, accuracy, and, you know, moxie as Joe Burrow. So, yeah. you know, this is, this is a, this is something that can work and that can be replicated, um, throughout the course of the season. And the fact that he, you know, this is, this is a true sign of him being a leader and understanding that sometimes Joe Cullen wants him to do this. Sometimes he's suggesting, I would like to beat the tackles ass for, Two snaps, coach. And Joe Cullen's like, that's not what we're working on right now, baby. We need you inside because Trent McDuffie's coming. Okay. You ain't got to worry about that. Trent McDuffie's coming. <laughs> um, and so I looked up the stat and I wrote it today. Um, but the Chiefs lead the league in sacks recorded by somebody in the secondary. There have been seven times this season that a cornerback, nickel, Strong safety, free safety have blitzed and sacked the quarterback. You know who's on the field every time that happens? That would be Chris Jones. Correct. So you it can is. read what Nate's written on The Athletic right now, and you can read what Seth has written at mnchiefsfan.substack.com. Both of them. Seth really wrote about Chris Jones. Nate wrote about the entirety of the pass rush and the way that it works together in a truly unique way. So uh, suggested reading there for both of them. Seth, one thing in yours that was you you phrased something in a way that I had not considered before, which is a funny way of looking at it now, which is when you have that sort of immediate disruptive pressure, even if the ball comes out right away, it essentially turns every play into a one-read play because you don't have time to get to your second read. So, right. like, the limitations that that puts on an offense, even when the ball gets out and now it's about, okay, is, this, is, is it going to be a completion? Is this, is this throw on target? Whatever. That is all aside from what the pressurer did there, which is, Hey, bud, you just got your third step there. You just planted your foot. Go ahead and let that ball go. Otherwise, I'm going to eat you alive. Like that, it, it really is an amazing thing, especially working in concert with everything that, that Nate's written about. It, it it has such a cumulative effect. And that's 
again, I, I talk about this all the time, but it's something that I really love about football is, you know, you, you pull the lever in one spot and it affects things all across the room. And that really is it. Because if you limited their play calling, that can affect your coverages on the back end where it's like, okay, well, we, we we're pretty sure in this situation, they're going to have to do some kind of, you know, it's second and 10 because they had a failed first down run. They probably know we're sending Chris after him. And so it's probably like a three-step, you know what? So why don't we press? And you know what, Justin, why don't you, why don't you creep up a little bit here and maybe jump a route, jump a lane? Like it gives you these opportunities to make educated guesses about what the other team is doing. Someone once told me, and I read this somewhere too, and and I think I read it first, and then I asked a player if this was true, about, you remember in Tecmo Bowl and Tecmo Super Bowl where you just picked the play, right? And yes. whether you were on offense or defense, you picked one of the offenses play. And if the if you picked the right play as a defense, you just blew the whole thing up. <laughs> and unless the other guy team had bow and they were good at the game, then it just didn't matter, right? And if you picked the wrong one, someone was going to be wide open down the field or there'd be this gaping hole. And one comment that I, I, I genuinely remember where I read this because I'd love to ascribe it to them, but I've asked around and there's some truth to how that works. A lot of this is just looks. It's like, oh man, we had this certain coverage called and they ran mills, which means that post is wide open. And that's just how that works. And when you can narrow the number of potential options, it really allows you to guess right more often. And that's, it's just a really cool thing. And I think it's, it's gone underrated throughout most of his career because I genuinely don't know, even with Spags, up until Colin arrived, I don't know how much Spags completely formulated the pass rush around Jones. Um, I it just it wasn't quite the same way. It was still more of the, and you still see that here, where he's always trying to crush the pocket. That's why you get guys like Karloftis and Dana and and Amena who like those are his types of guys. But this has been it's been so cool to watch, and I just love Nate's point that this is not. This is not the kind of defense. Now they let him get after the quarterback too. You know, they'll let him like Bolton was on, you know, NFL films or mic'd up, caught him saying, Hey, what do you like? He's like, that guy. He's like, I think it was the right tackle, like again, because if I recall that game, it was always the right tackle. A poor guy. Like you can picture him sliding up, like, come on, man. Like, I'm a rookie, dog. All right. I'm so tired. You're so strong. Like, just could you not? I'm supposed to be going up against dudes that weigh 265. You know, like, and so they do a lot of that too. But to see him just buy in, and I think he's seen the fruits of that labor too. So it's so much more than just even, and I was talking about pressures matter way more than sacks. It goes even beyond that. What it allows you to do, everything kind of just affects everything else. And it's a cool thing. I And I've had a few people ask in the comments, do I think like, you know, who would I keep back, Snead or Jones? That's the reason I would take Jones, and I love Legarius Snead. He does so many things well, and if they manage to keep him in KC, I'll be thrilled. I don't think you can build an entire plane out of it with Legarius Snead, if that makes sense. Whereas with Jones, you really can, like, he, he, you can build a defense around him. Although Snead is close, the problem is they've got, like, a slightly smaller and quicker version of Snead now, where it's like, Hey, we basically cloned you with a guy who's just as good. And I, I love LeJarrius Steve. I just, Tread McDuffie's so good. Like, 
so it's kind of hard to say, hey, right. we got this, we got this guy. What one one thing um that I that I want to add, if the team does not keep Ladrius lead, I just want you to imagine that, you know, on one end, you would get obviously Trick McDuffie playing outside or or nickel, depending on, you know, what the down information is from the offense. And then on the other side, you would get uh, most likely based on snaps this year, you would most likely get Jalen Watson on the outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Jones, as as uh, this this happened in the middle of the third quarter, I'm watching it right now. It's one of the most um, blatantly diabolical play calls that Steve Spagnuolo called against poor Bailey Zappi. It's third and twelve, guys. We're in the middle of the field. Hey, I know what the quarterback does here. Most quarterbacks would do this. All right, third and twelve. Let me get a check. Secondary, interesting. All right, they got they got a little press action there on the top end. Uh, Ladrius needs got his eyes sort of shaded more towards the quarterback. Okay, we're gonna they're gonna split this coverage in half. Um, it looks like it's gonna be man on the left side. It looks like it could be zone on the right side, or at least they're going to sort of rotate things down um, as the play starts. Um, Chris Jones is on the outside shoulder of the guard which means yikes. Uh, all right, protection. Let me let me make sure these two guys know where 95 is all the time. And center, if it's a if it's a stunt, you got you got the defensive end, which in this case is Mike Dana, I believe. Uh, all right, we good? We good? The play clock's running. I got to snap the ball. One Mississippi, two Mississippi. Where the hell did you come from? <laughs> <laughs> You're an impressed man. What are you doing? That is so, oh my, it is a magic trick. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. And now I can't even look down people because it's third and 12 and I need one Mississippi, two Mississippi. Is anybody open downfield for me to throw the football? And, um, yeah, your protection was for a four-man rush with maybe a linebacker coming through, not for a guy coming from what appears to be the 13th gap because he's that far away. He's in press man coverage. So even if you don't have luxurious knee next year, you can still run a similar play because Chris Jones influences the protection so much. And even if it's third and long, all of a sudden that blitz goes from being less risky to just more, we dictate to you all game. Yes. And we want to dictate to you more, even 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 though the down and distance says we have an advantage, we still want to dictate to you. And I just think Bailey Zappi must have been like, I know they can do this, but that's not fair. He cannot appear <laughs> to be impressed on third and 12, which means, okay, cover two. Cool, got it. He might press, sit back. All right, he may press or bracket or knows he has safety help over the top. Okay, so I'm looking right. for a dig route. Why the hell are you blitzy? Like it just Yeah, where where did you come from? And it's so funny because like a dude like Sneed, there are guys who are better at blitzing than other. They're always really, you know, you're always gonna be really fast. But Sneed has legitimate bounce through contact, and he's not afraid of contact, I and mean, he can kind of bend. Like, if you watch, like, Shamari Connor, who I really like his potential, I think he's going to be a good player. I think he already did you, has did done you know, decently. Seth, did you know he played college uh, as a safety? I did. Did you know that? Something, I, you know, did you know they took him late in the draft? Did you know he played? Did you know he played college below the Mason Dixon? Was that West. below the Mason Dixon line? And that's, did, you, did you know that, that uh, uh, he got similar, not, not, not exact, 
similar coach traits. And there, I'm curious if that's the long term plan with him. I don't know. I didn't say that. What? Come on. Don't you? Oh, I am not Carissa Thompson. Okay. How dare you? So I um I I I think what's interesting with him at least this year when you watch Connor blitz, he's not as good at it as Snead because he doesn't quite have that same bounce through contact, flow through contact. Snead is arguably the very best blitzing defensive back in football. The problem that he has in terms of being resigned is the other dude with an argument yeah. is the one lined up in the slot. Yeah. And it, I mean, like, they really, it is, it is uncanny. I don't know who they've had scouting corners the last four or five years. I should know this. His name is Dave Henson, and they should give him whatever he wants. Anything he wants, because I mean, he keeps finding guys. Because even like Williams and Watson, you know, they they they're a little more limited in their roles, but they're really solid players. And these guys tackle like crazy, and that's why teams, you know, they try to RPO them to death. They try to throw the outside. It's like, oh well, we've got these six easy yards. How did he tackle him behind the line of scrimmage? It's like, just, no, there's a wide receiver blocking him. No, Justin Watson ran through. Or Justin Watson, Jalen Watson ran through him. I look, I love Tyreek Hill. You can't win offensive player of the year if you get your chain snatched in the <laughs> middle on a quick out on an RPO screen. You just you can't. I'm sorry, you can have two thousand yards. You can't win offensive player of the year, dog. It's just it's just look and in, in the in the rematch in not the rematch, but in the in the revenge game, you get your you get your you get your chain snatched. What? And then and then they return it for a touchdown. Yeah, you that can't, was so awesome. You can't win offensive player of the year. I don't care if you get three thousand yards, son. No, <laughs> no. Um, well, just uh, complete. Oh, oh no, it's okay. I was gonna try to get us towards the end of the show, but if you got another tangent for us, Seth, I mean, by all means, I, I have, I have. Can I take this to another level, fellas? Yeah. Can I take? Who are you asking? Who are you asking for permission from? Of course I am. Oh, now, ladies and gentlemen, you, you as Seth says, look, I got the best blitz in corner in the league. If Trip McDuffie gets another sack. Whether it's on Christmas Day or obviously the the, the final two games of the other season, he will have five sacks in his first two seasons in the NFL. That would be the that would tie for the most sacks by a cornerback in his first two seasons in the NFL. Also, really? Trent McDuffie didn't play half of his rookie season because he had a hamstring injury. So Seth's right. They they didn't already found the next guy if if Legarius Need goes. Now from a scouting perspective, I want you all to follow me, okay? Now, we all know about the Mason Dixie line is sometimes you got to go outside. Sometimes you got to show the tendency so that you can break the tendency, okay? <laughs> um, Greg Castillo was the scout on the West Coast to say, I don't know, y'all. I know he got the hips like God. I know he he's shaking better than Shakira out here. And I know, I know, Brad, he plays in Washington. You got to look at this tape, baby. You got to look at this tape. And he fell all the way to 21. So to this day, um, every now and then you need David Henson because he knows how to get them boys below the Mason Dixie line who want to tackle, who want to cover, who don't want to say nothing. Hey, you just want to play ball, right? Okay, cool. Don't talk to any other teams. Don't get you in the fourth. Don't get you. Don't, hey, 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 hey. You don't need to go on the Zoom with them. What they know about football, huh? Huh? Have you met Willie Gay? Have you met Chris Jones? All right. Uh, I know Nick Ball went to Missouri, but he he one of us. I mean, he grew up in Texas. You know the thing. 
Um, I want to remind people that if Chamari Connor pops, what one name to remember? Because they're doing it already, guys. His name is Anthony McGee. He's a scout. He's the scout they brought out when they drafted Chamari Cotter. He doing to David Henson what they about to do to LeJarius? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is Anthony McGee was like, oh, he, don't you worry about special teams. We ain't even worried about special teams. He will be a dog on special teams, uh, which is kind of what I need for any Saturday late round part of the draft. Hey, how you looking? How you looking special team, but he a skill player, dog. All right, no more questions, Your Honor. Um, dog. And then the other thing was, Jamar, uh, Anthony said, well, you know, Jamar, he can play, he can play deep. He can play box. You want some of that nickel? He can that too. You want some of that big nickel? We think he might be able to handle that. I'm sorry. You sound like David Hinston. Oh. <laughs> so they, uh, they got corner on lock between David Hinston, Greg Castillo, and Anthony McGee. People you don't normally hear, but this is the people of the scouting department. Now, you also might be wondering, how the hell they find George Karloftis? Well, Pat Spurdu does it in the Big Ten. Pat Spurdu wants strong dudes who are able to do nothing but play snap after snap after snap. And those are the traits that you found of Mike Dana and George Karloftis. That's a good point. These archetypes are real, man. These are these are just anyone who's listening to this. You just for the last like five minutes, if you want to have a preview into how the Chiefs will be looking at the draft, yep, in the next time they need an edge, yep. or a corner, yeah, th- this this is very true. The traits conversation, a million percent true, and that's we don't have time to get into it, but that's why it'll be interesting to see how they do things with wide receiver moving forward. Because they've treated certain trait archetypes. I read this really, really terrific article on uh, Arrowhead Report. I wondered if that's about ArrowheadReport.com, you say? Is that by one young Zach Eisen over there? Oh! Yeah, I think it is. What? And, uh, and it, he he talks about, he does a great job talking about some of the archetypes that mm-hmm. that they're, they're kind of chasing to an extent. And how Tyreek Hill, in a way may have kind of ruined wide receiver analysis for the Chiefs for a little bit. Now, here's the deal. you It's okay to have an archetype for little dude wide receivers. You just got to have the right things. Like, had the Chiefs grab Tank Dell instead of, well, I mean, this year, they could have just grabbed Tank Dell. <laughs> like, they could have been like, you know, they, they, they really have searched. The Chiefs do look for profiles. It is a very real thing. Just because a player is a good player, doesn't mean he can do necessarily what the Chiefs want him to be able to do. And that's why when I watched Rasheed Rice's tape, I was like, you know, optimistically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, the, the big thing for me, though, was he's unlike all the guys they've drafted. Correct. It's like in a in a, in a in a high-end whatever, it's like, oh, he's a way more explosive juju. Mm-hmm. And I don't hate it. Do you, do you want me to say the thing out loud? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, I, let me look here real quick in the comments. Someone said, um, who is to blame or praise about evaluating wide receivers, Nate? Um, the the mission was to find someone who could replace Juju Smith-Schuster. 
that was that was the mission. And if you and if we could trade up for somebody in the first round, cool. But if not, what's plan B? And Mike Bergazzi, find me someone who can play like Juju, but have maybe a tad bit more explosiveness. And, you know, it'd be nice if we had somebody who could high point a ball or two. Because the 6-4 guy, he don't really do that. Any other questions, guys? Before we go, I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm. I feel like I've said too much. Yeah, I think you've said a perfect amount. <laughs> it's all been See? reported out. Yeah, no, you haven't. You've said the exact right amount. And now, now all we have to do is we leave that out there for the people, and the people can decide if they remember this in April or not. But we'll remember this in April. We'll talk about this again in April. Oh, and you want to learn? You want to know about George Pickens? Do you? Well. I think okay, I can't say that. I can't say I, I can't say anything. It appears it appears that some questions may have been answered about that at this point. Uh yeah, we'll see. Now, now, um, if Mike if, Tomlin can't, Mike Tomlin, if Mike, if Mike Tomlin can't get through to you, you are lost. There's just no so, way. If yeah, that imagine if the Chiefs had a problematic receiver instead of Sky Moore. I mean, hey, 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 son, if you don't want to block, give me your shoulder pads. Give them to me. I don't even want you. you. can keep your helmet on. Give me your shoulder pads. If you don't want to block for the running back in a, in a gotta-have-a-game in December, I just want your shoulder pads, okay? I don't care where we took you in the draft. Uh, now, I think there were some concerns, and this isn't just the Chiefs, but um, there were some concerns about his injury history and the idea of uh, could he withstand punishment over the course you know, of the NFL. As I've written over the last two years, this is not a sexy trait. But durability and availability has been one of the things that the Chiefs have sort of um, put a put a higher value on than maybe some teams do in the draft, just because obviously um, it's a violent sport. Kids, Trent McDuffie play as many plays as he could play. Drish Karloftis never came off the field. Uh, even for- wide receiver one, Kadarius Tony frequently frequently an Iron Man. <laughs> They didn't draft him, even though they, no, they didn't. You're right. Even though they were desperate to do such, yes, they wanted him, and then they traded for him, and it's just like we need this dude made out of. And, and by the way, I've, I've said this. Deal. I've said this a few times now, guys. They did not give up a third round pick for Kadarius Tony. They gave up a compensatory third round pick, which is in essence a fourth round pick, guys. They gave up a fourth round pick because you know what they used on the third round pick? Not Kadarius Tony. Okay. Uh, so even Clark Hunt will tell you, Nate, can you get them to say stop? It's a compensatory, baby. It was the Ryan Poles pick. All right. Um, Clark Hunt didn't tell me that, but <laughs> <laughs> but it sounded good. <laughs> it did. It didn't sound. But it sound good for factual preferences, guys. It's not. It's when you say third round pick, that's not how it's computed out. It's a third round compensatory pick. So you always have to include compensatory. Or just say it was a fourth round pick because that's what it was by the time the order came out. You guys want to talk about the Raiders for 30 seconds, please? But, but you want to know oh, about George Pickens, huh? George Pickens. Man, huh? hold on, hold on. Huh? You want to know about George Pickens? Thing. Did you talk to his girlfriend? What his girlfriend say about him? Huh? Huh? He a bit, he a, I don't know. I don't know. Did you talk to his grandma? Talk to his grandma. Again, I have never met George Pickens. This is I clearly a, a bit to some degree, but you want to know about George Pickens, huh? 
Um, this I wonder ever... if they ask people that like served them at a restaurant. You know what I mean? Ooh. Or delivered them food. I have a running theory. You can mm. tell most of what you need to know about someone with how they treat a waiter or a waitress and anyone that's waited tables, I think might agree. Now, obviously there's, you know, Ted Bundy was probably quite kind to people waiting tables. So it's not like a perfect thing. It just, I'm just- more to the evaluation process. Yeah, yeah, there's more to the evaluation, but it's worth asking, right? It's like, wow, that person's a jerk to waiters or waitresses. Like, that's a good sign. It's like the that one YouTube channel where all they do is like see if people put shopping carts back and apparently is good, done incredibly well. But about the Raiders. <laughs> yeah, if uh, Ted Bundy would have talked about the Raiders within the first hour and 10 minutes of this podcast, I would have. Come on, man. Chris Jones came out and wanted to talk about Christmas more than the Las Vegas Raiders. And George Karloftis' ACG score more than the, more than the Raiders. Well, and apparently one of the Raiders, like Jack Jones, made a comment that, you know, that people are kind That's of... That's not real. That's not a real person. Jake Jones? Jack Jones. No, I, he is. I just was being disrespectful. Oh, sir. Because I'm laughing yeah. Now, I want to be clear. But he, he made a comment, you know, Mahomes is the magician. He stopped the magician. He stopped the show, which isn't wrong. But people are kind of trying to turn it like, it's oh, a hollow, just res- it's a He just barred him lies. down. Yeah, and it's but, like, I mean, that's not bad. It's a good put a, line. Put it's also fully accurate. Here's so, a funny thing, though. Rasheed Rice's biggest game of his career was his his eight catch, 107. Yes. That was like his breakout game was against yes. the Raiders. And this corner's like, ah, I don't know if they'll make a play. I mean, I remember that one guy vaguely running by me. Like, <laughs> and probably nothing bad happened after that. I wasn't really paying attention. You know, we live in Vegas. It, it gets a little tough to... Maintain my focus. So I, I just the the Raiders. It, I don't know. They, 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 they couldn't beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs can lose to anyone right now. They are not the, the steamroller that we are used to. But the offense, like, remember after last game, we were like, oh, hey, get right game for the offense, and then you know other yeah. stuff happened. <laughs> so I just, I, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm most curious in this game. I know we have to do the five things thing at this point, but I do just because I feel terrible not saying anything. Um, I'm curious to see what Spags' game plan is for their quarterback because he actually did pretty well against the, you know, blitz now, blitz yeah. later, blitz a few more times, then blitz a little bit, then let the game end, and then have someone attack him in his hotel room. And like they, 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 he kind of, he, that, that didn't work overall. So I'm curious what the game plan is now. I would laugh if the first time he drops back the pass, they like rush one. <laughs> Put 10 guys in coverage or something. That's what I want to see. Drop 11. We're, we're at, hey, if we're in the red zone, drop 11. See what happens. Lineman <laughs> can't come get you. I don't drop 11, have one spy, and let's see what happens. Yeah, they can't cross. They can't go more than three yards past the line of scrimmage. Exactly. See if you can lure them past, get a penalty. Hey, come here. Bet you won't block me up here. You know, I don't know. These are just ideas. I'm not saying they're good ones. No one is. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right, guys. Uh, Chiefs 27? 27? I'll give them 27 again. Raiders 11. Love that. I don't know. It just. I don't know. I love it. 11. I'm bringing the same energy as, as anybody else to this game. Sure. Do the Raiders want to be there? That's the question. 
The only question to this game is, do the Raiders want to be in Arrowhead on Christmas Day instead of being with their families in a place called Las Vegas? I think the NFL may have done them in already, sadly. <laughs> I've got Chiefs 34, Raiders with another gentleman 17, just like they had last time. I, I don't think the Raiders' defense is built well to take advantage of some of the Chiefs' deficiencies on offense. And every week, the Chiefs are kind of narrowing their their focus towards the guys that can get stuff done. And so I I, I think they're I think the Chiefs are going to be able to move the ball well and shoot themselves in the foot like one fewer time, mm, which means yeah. like an extra touchdown. Yeah. I think the Chiefs in this game, I agree. I think the Chiefs in this game with like eight toes. Um, which is which is an improvement. Um, so I'll uh, I'm gonna go Chiefs twenty four Raiders thirteen. So I hit my under, and the Chiefs don't. Or they I guess they do cover. I think it's a ten right now. Um, it just feels like it. The Chiefs might kneel it out on the goal line again this week. I don't know. It's just weird things that are happening at the end of football games now. But yeah, I I would. The one thing I would be surprised by is if we end up in another fourteen nothing start that should be seventeen nothing or twenty one nothing for the Raiders. <laughs> That that to me felt like, and, and this has sort of been an ongoing, an ongoing narrative, I guess. Now for the Chiefs, it, it sounds like where it's like, hey, bringing energy early is is a major part of what they're attempting to do. Yeah, you don't want to come out on Christmas at home and then give your your cold fans who decided to spend their Christmas day at your stadium uh, an ugly like fourteen three deficit halfway through the second quarter. That's no good for anybody. So. I think they're going to try to come out there fast and and end the game early if they can, but I, you know, self-inflicted mistakes, all of that. I I think the Chiefs win controlling it decently, but um, ends up being a a relatively close margin because football's weird and this team's weird and they only play one certain type of game. So that's that's where we come from. Uh, Seth's got the Chris Jones film review up on the uh, Chief of the North newsletter. Anything else coming before the holiday, Seth? Uh, yeah, probably the the Patrick Mahomes film review. Um, I actually didn't get to it last week. I want to get to it this week. And because they play on Monday, I can publish it either Saturday or Sunday. Saturday, I'm going to be rewriting our county's truancy policy. Mm, fun. So Down the Substack also afterwards? <laughs> yeah. That's, I just want to drag everyone into the abyss with me, frankly. Sure. If I'm going to be miserable, the rest of you are going to reach your day too. But And so I do want to do that. Partly because uh, a few people that I really respect have have referenced how well Mahomes played, and I'm really curious about because I'm not recalling a lot of errant throws and, and or and or bad decisions. The closest thing I would say to maybe his worst play of the game was like I guess yeah he could have put the ball in a little better place for Blake Bell, who still should have caught it. Thank you, thank you. This man said, "I can take a sack." I could throw a 50-50 ball to Blake Bell in the middle yeah, of the field. Blake, even Blake Bell didn't want wow. him to throw that. He actually wasn't trying to catch it. He was trying to push the ball away. No! No! Shut it down! Let me, let me look here. I got Justin Watson oh. going deep. I got Noah Gray over here. I see Travis Kelsey. Or I can give my guy Blake Bell a 50-50 ball in the middle of the field. No more of those, please. Nate, get us out of here before I force 50-50 ball to Blake Bell. <laughs> or worse, Seth. Um, Patrick Mahomes had an excellent game that also Bill was talking about. The throw, his watching the throw live from the press box 
his pass to Justin Watson was pristine. And so after the game, I go, damn, that was a throw. Oh, uh, so uh, a bit of housekeeping here, Miss Briscoe. Uh, thank you so very much. Uh, she says here that the facial hair gets two thumbs up from both me and Chloe. Uh, Let's go. Nate's facial you. hair. Nate's facial hair is, 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 it might be the newest bet, kids. Uh, this is, uh, this is every ball time. to Tony is a 50 50 ball is pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, uh, thank you. <laughs> Remember week five where I said it was a big week for Kadarius Tony against the Minnesota Vikings? It's been a long season, guys. The it's season been a long is season. The season is entirely too long. Oh, uh, the direct snap to Kadarius Tony is a 50 50 ball. <laughs> Nate, let's see your bed. Um, comments. The comments are good. The comments are great. Uh, you don't want to see my bed, and I would like to not show you my bed, and I don't know how my wife would react to that. Um, again, not a sentence I thought I'd say on live broadcast. Now, with all that being said, could use the super chats. One question. You now we're on to something. Now look, you said, look, man, they keep doing it to Mike Tomlin. Why Mike Tomlin got to be like that? I think. They have put such a burden on Mike Tomlin that they actually need to pivot and say, look, we need to get respectable young men who will not talk back, who will black block for their receivers or their running backs or fellow teammates who will catch the ball occasionally and not pout about it or ask for the next 40 targets. And um, we just we just need somebody who's coachable, you know, real coachable receiver coach. That's what they need to do um, to, to Mike Tomlin. And then lastly, is it a Christmas miracle if they don't drop the ball? Because you want me to write it in The Athletic. And look, I'm looking forward to writing it in The Athletic. This is the only time where I can put Christmas into the story because the game's on Christmas Day. And there's got to be at some point where they don't have a game where they don't drop a pass, right? And if Kadarius Tony's hip doesn't get better, like... Is it a Christmas miracle, guys? If they don't drop the ball against the Raiders on Christmas Day, is it? Maybe. Sounds like Mike Tomlin needs to push for Justin Watson. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.